not that long ago, around fallish, we were on a uh, men's retreat. And uh, some of us guys decided that we wanted to play basketball, so we headed up to the court. And it was me, it was Chad Johnson, it was Cody Baker, uh, it was uh, Mr. Horn, David Horn, Cobbler, his son, and uh, I can't remember all those, but we was out there. It was mostly young guys, okay? And, and as Mr. Horn's going up there, I'm thinking, is he really going to try to play with us younger guys? And uh, Mr. Horn's like 61-ish, and we start to shoot up teams, and Mr. Horn gets in the line to shoot up too. And uh, he actually starts to play with us. What I had forgotten about Mr. Horn is he grew up in Portland, you know, so like this was his yard and he probably played with the chain nets and, you know, different things like that. And he, he played with us and he was really good. He blocked a lot of us clean uh, a number of times. And there was even one time he dunked on me and he said something like, this is my yard chump. This is how we do it in Portland. He ripped his shirt. And uh, after his team won, he was asking everybody, all right, where's my money? And I was like, no, no, it's not. He kept wanting us to call him Gator. I don't know why, but so. And then there, there's another time where Mr. Horn David, he was helping me on my office. And I had to kind of build my office with the help of the guys as I got here. And for a long time, my office didn't have a door. Uh, I could come in, the hobo could be sleeping in my office or whatever, but there was no door. And then for a while, it was like a shower curtain door. And this day, I was going to have a real door. Uh, Mr. Horn was helping me, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Tucker, he uh, popped up to help. And I thought, well, Mr. Tucker's surely not going to help us hang this door. It's really heavy. But I got to tell you, he grabbed a hammer. He was slinging the hammer. Nails were going everywhere. He's a madman. I mean, like, he helped us do that. He even gave, Webby wasn't there, but he gave Webby a hard time. He said, uh, we couldn't have hung this door without him. He said, you got to take the door frame out. It's not level. And I said, well, it's got to be level. Webby hung it. And then he goes, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. Like, so, so uh, these guys did not want to sit on the side and watch stuff go on. They didn't want to just observe, but they actually wanted to be involved with what was going on. Jesus is the same way. You know, if I, if I think about Jesus, I wouldn't think like God would send his son here to this earth so he could live amongst us and help us out. But that's exactly what he did. And Jesus, he didn't want to be just an observer. Make no mistake about it, Christians are sent. Listen, Jesus prays to his Father in John 17, 18. It says, as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And when we identify with Jesus and he becomes our life, know that we are sent right back into the world to reach people for him. He doesn't want us just to sit and watch but he wants us to be a part of the story. And we're going to, so Jesus is missional. And we're going to start in Luke 8, 42 to 48. Jarius has come and he, he is a public official and his daughter is sick. Okay, she is dying. And he approaches Jesus and he says, my daughter is sick. She's dying. I need you to come with me so we can go, so you can heal her. Okay, so there's, He's a public official, and it sounds like there's a sense of urgency here. And Jesus starts, it says, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been the subject of bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. 
When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all this people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The first thing we see here is that Jesus moves slow. Okay? Jesus is aware. Jesus is on his way to a public official's place, and he feels somebody touch him, and he could have just went on. This lady's healed, but he doesn't. He stops, and he goes to her, and he wants her to know that he notices her, okay? This would be like, say that Frank is here, okay? And then you can throw up those characters. We have uh, Christian Bale, Chris Nolan, and then... We have Miss uh, Angela Lansbury from Murder, She Wrote. Say they show up and they, they say, hey, Frank, we want to go eat at the Cheesecake Factory. Angela Lansbury is there waiting on us right now. And uh, we're kind of short on time. We know you're a fan and we just want you to go eat with us. Okay, and Frank is on his way. And then all of a sudden he sees my daughter Bentley. Like she pops into the picture, all right? And she's like, she says, Uncle Frank... I'm sad. And Frank would probably say, Uncle who? I don't know, you kid. Get out of my way. Like, and he would probably go, like, there's an urgency. He loves these people. Like, Jesus, on his way, I want you to know, like, to a public official's house, doesn't do that. Like, he stops. There's a lady that is unclean to society. She is low. And he stops, and he still wants to talk to her. I was driving to Orleans, Indiana once from Paley, Indiana, and I was going to church camp. I was about 19 years old. I got in my truck, and uh, as I'm going on the way, it's not a two, it's just a two-lane road, okay, with some passing lanes here and there. But there's a guy that's in front of me, and I'm right behind him. He's driving about 25 miles an hour, and he has this sign, and it has an arrow pointing, and it says, Wet paint, do not pass. So as we're going about 15 to 25, I think, you know what? I'm not going to do this the whole way. I'm going to pass him. So I start getting on his rear end, you know, so to see if he'd get over. And he wouldn't. He could see that I was going to pass him. So he pulls over in the middle of the road, and he stops, and he gets out of his car. And he walks to my car, and he says, why don't you just go ahead and give me your insurance papers now, and you can pay for all this paint. So I'm 19, and I'm mad, Okay. My response to this man that's older than me is, hey, you need to shut up and get in your car because I'm going to be late for church camp, all right? (laughs) So true story, he gets in his car and he goes, I stay behind him because I'm afraid of what would happen if I passed him. Uh, But but as we're going, I start to think, like, I'm not going to be late for church camp. Like, I have no time uh, restraints. I don't have to be there at a certain time on this day. I'm just in a hurry for no reason. I have no idea why. So much that being behind this guy that's slow is really stressing me out. And I think, like, it'd be fair to say that we live in a fast-forward society, right? We live where we want to be in a hurry all the time, even when we don't have to be anywhere. And that causes a lot of anxiety, and it causes a lot of stress. And it just, it caught, you know how that feels, and, and we just live like that. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't live like that. Jesus moved slow, and he moved aware, and he wasn't, like, moving so fast. Staff and I went out to eat at a, a restaurant in town. I'm not going to tell you the name of it, but we went there, and it was their opening day, okay? We went, 
And we ordered our food, and, and that day on that opening day, it was pretty terrible because they ran out of stuff and this and that. So, so I went back uh, later on in that week to try it again, and it was delicious. So after our staff meetings, we all go out and eat together, and I said, hey, let's go eat at this place. And they're like, over my dead body. There's no way I'm eating there. Why? Because we had a bad experience, right? And when you have a bad experience, you just assume that the next experience is going to be bad. Is that, is that fair to say? If you go to a restaurant, you know, and you have a, it's not very good there, you assume all those other restaurants like that is going to be the same. Now, here's the thing. This guy, when he went home at night, I wonder if he told his wife, hey, I met this teenage punk going to church camp, says he's a Christian, and he yelled at me. I mean, is he going to put us all in the same boat? Is he going to think all Christians are the same because of the experience that he had with me? And when we walk around and we're in fast motion and we're stressed out and we have all this anxiety and we run into people and we're not very nice to them, know that they could think that every experience with you or with other Christians is going to be bad. So Jesus wasn't. Even John 9, 6, and 7 says, After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it into the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sin. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. This guy is blind, okay? Jesus, like, could have healed him any way he wanted to. He could have kicked dirt in the guy's face, and he would have been healed. He would have not even had to touch him. He could have said healed, and that guy would be healed. But Jesus stops, and he, like, spits in the dirt. And back here, like, back then, they thought some spit had healing in it. Could you imagine that? Like, so, uh, but he gets down on the knee. He spends time with this gentleman and, and has some interaction with him because Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Jesus wanted time with people. So Jesus moved slow. Jesus also noticed people. So it says here that this lady, it says she couldn't go unnoticed. It says she knew that she couldn't go unnoticed. So she knows that she has went unnoticed by people for a while. And she actually has to stay away from people because she is bleeding and she is unclean. But here it says she knew that she couldn't go unnoticed by Jesus. So as he noticed people, let's, let's look at this and you just ask yourself, are these the people that you would interact with? So Matthew 19, 13, and 15, Jesus cared for children. Now, the disciples were annoyed at this, and they thought Jesus perhaps didn't need squirming and noisy kids, and they weren't important to Jesus. But Jesus told the disciples that children could stay, and the kingdom of heaven belonged to them. And what does that tell you about Jesus? Have you ever met somebody that's really stressed out and has a lot of anxiety, and like they're just, and then you look at them and you're like, you know who I want to hang out with? That guy. I mean, we... Usually that's not what happens, right? So Jesus here, like, Jesus wasn't like that. He had joy. I mean, children love people that have joy and that look fun, and, and he cared for children. Jesus walked, uh, Jesus talked to civil woman in Luke seven thirty six and 50. It says, when, so when Jesus came to eat with the Pharisees, this woman began washing his feet with a jar of perfume. Uh, the Pharisees were appalled that Jesus would have anything to do with her, but Jesus told the woman, your sins are forgiven. So he talks to this lady that is is sinful. He ate with tax collectors. How many of you guys want to eat with somebody that's in the IRS? I mean, that does not sound fun at all, but Jesus did, and they weren't popular back then. Jesus spoke to a demon-possessed man. 
this man was naked, you know, and he was running around screaming. Jesus stops and he talks to this man. If I saw this man, I would look down at my phone and think, I'm going to walk this way and act like I'm in a conversation. Jesus drank water from the woman at the well. That time, Jews avoided Samaritans, and there's different culture there, but he actually talks to her. So he encounters all these people that are different than he is. When I uh, had been here for about two weeks working, I'm the first impressions pastor, so I need to make sure, one, the building is not, doesn't seem dated, that it looks clean, and I get people to volunteer, and I help them too. And uh, Miss Tucker is one of my friends here, and like I'd been working here for like two weeks, and uh, she introduced herself to me, hello, Miss Tucker, and then she says, uh, she goes, well, I guess nobody's mopping this floor anymore, are they? And uh, when she said that, I thought, yeah, that's hurt my feelings. I'm, she's mean. That's what I, but here's the thing. Like, <laughs> as, I, uh, as I got to know Miss Tucker, like, I can tell you something about her. Like, she loves Jesus. She loves this church. She wants to make sure this church looks good because she knows that we have visitors that come here. And she just loves God in general. And so... You know, getting to know her, if she says something, I noticed this with her. If she wants to say something, she's going to say it. And uh, here, I have grown to appreciate that. Like, because I would rather her tell me than just hold it in or tell somebody else, right? So if she has something to say, she's going to say it. I know that she cares about Jesus, and I know she cares about people. And, uh, you know, she's one of my favorite people here, not to offend you, but she is. And, and how, what changed about that? Well, I got to know her, you know, and, and we can't expect to love people if we don't get to know people. Like, you're going to encounter people at work, at school, when you're out and about, and they're going to be different than you. And, and Jesus, those are the people that he went to. Those are the people that he spoke to. Christians sometimes are like their own species, and we like to just hang out with each other, right? We don't want to hang out with anybody different than we are, but Jesus was different. And we can't, we can't be there for people, and we can't notice people if we don't get to know these people and love these people. Jesus knew that people, he knew what they needed. You see, Jesus healed people in more than just the physical. So he responds to this woman that's been bleeding for 12 years, and like I said, she was unclean, and she had to stay away from people, Okay. She wanted to see him so much, there was a giant crowd that said it was pressing against Jesus. And, and she went into that crowd knowing that she could be looked down on because she's not supposed to be there and went and touched him anyway. And Jesus stops, and while everybody else runs from this lady, Jesus goes to this lady. Jesus knew that there was more than just physical that needed healing here. Jesus knew what she had been going through and what this disease had been doing to her, and he heals her in two kinds of ways. In Mark 1, 40 and 45, Jesus is approached by a leper who wants healed. And uh, this leper has not, you know, he wouldn't have been able to be touched by anybody, and he had to have a little bell, and he had to say things like unclean. And uh, Jesus goes to this man, and he heals him. Now, when he heals him, he could have, again, kicked dirt in the guy's face, and he could have said, he's healed. He could have pointed at him and said, you're healed. But the word hepto is used, and in the Greek, that means when Jesus touched him, that he embraced him. Jesus hugged him. 
This is a guy that hadn't been touched in years. This is a guy that hadn't been around people in years, and Jesus knew what this guy needed. It wasn't just physical. It was also something else. And how do we do that? My wife and I, we were at a marriage retreat, focused on the family, did it. It was really good. And there was one part of this retreat where we did like a group counseling. Okay, if that sounds fun. Like there's a, about 10 couples in there, and I'm in there too. And she gets to counsel you, and everybody else gets to watch. And uh, she goes around at the beginning and says, you and your life, I'm not talking about your spouse's life, but, but what affects you the most and what could we help you with? And, and she, go, she goes around and uh, she gets to me. I'm the only pastor in this group, okay? And I say, uh, I say and I, I'm sharing this with you. You don't have to hug me after this or pat me on the back. And I, but I say, you know, there are some times and there are a lot of times when I feel like, like I'm worthless, like, like God is done with me like he doesn't want anything to do with me like i pray to him and he says i don't want to hear your voice and she said well she said let's dig into that a little bit and i thought great <laughs> yeah so she said i want you to I want you to close your eyes she knew that my parents had divorced when i was in fourth grade she said i want you to close your eyes and i want you to just envision take yourself back to that time and i did and she said and this is in front of everybody she said uh you know, and she said, let's, let's talk about what you experienced. And I remember experiencing, and I've told you before, my parents fighting. I remember getting in between them as they were fighting. Uh, I remember sometimes, and my dad's came a long way, but I remember when I was little, sometimes him asking me this question, he would say, what's wrong with you? And uh, I just remember feeling like a failure. I remember when my parents divorced and I got to the house, I didn't know anything was happening, and my mom was there. Bags were packed, and she said, hey, we're leaving. And my dad coming home, and and him, them arguing some more, and then her getting us out of there. And because of that, like, I remember, I remember when I was little, and my mom was shopping to get me some pants, and she asked this lady, she said, we can't find any that fit him. And then the lady goes, well, that's because he needs to shop in the husky section. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I do now, and I looked for that lady. I couldn't find her, but (laughs) I remember making bad grades that year that my parents got divorced, the first year I ever made an F, and I think it was because they weren't overlooking me as I was doing my homework. You know, it was just kind of everything went. I remember in Little League hitting the last out in the championship game. I remember in fifth and sixth grade not making the basketball team. I remember the times when Courtney and I have gotten into it. I remember the times I've let my kids down. These things play in my mind over and over and over. And and as we're talking about these things, she said, I want you to envision you as a little kid. You step out of yourself, and I want you to look at the little kid. And this this is me as a little boy. I was a little husky, and it's okay, right? I mean, but but she said, she said, what would you say to that little kid? And uh, I just remember thinking, like, I would say, that there are people that love you that there's a god that loves you that it's not your fault you're just little and everything's going to be okay there's nothing that you did to cause this divorce you're not a failure you're a person and god loves you and and i would also say 
here are some winning lottery numbers, you know, for. <laughs> but as a, as I'm doing that, like, in in my head, I'm thinking, I, I just want, like, to tell every kid and teenager this. I want to tell them that they, that somebody loves them and they are not a failure. And, like, this light bulb went off in my head and I thought, that is what I've been doing. Like, I've been a youth minister for 15 years, and I always wondered, like, where that came from. Why would I have a passion to do this? I didn't grow up in church, and this led me to do this. All the hurt and all the pain, I used to think, God, like, why would you let that happen to me? I was little, and now that I'm older, I know that we live in a fallen world, but I also know that God used what happened to me when I was little to do this. Courtney and I, you know, we both come from somewhat shaky, you know, background and family history. And I know uh, it's easy for us to, to look at a teenager and know that they're going through something. We, we know if in life something's happening. We know if they're lying to us. We know that things are going on. And all that is because I dealt with it when I was younger. And how does that apply to you? Well, what is it that God has put in your life that you can use to reach people? All of us have experiences. All of us have passions that some of us don't. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost a spouse. Maybe you've went through a divorce. There are many things that you have went through that I have not. And because of that, you can go out and you can be on mission and you can see people and you know when they're going through these things. What is it that makes you mad? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that makes you want to go out and do something and be there for people? Jesus, he was there for people in their deepest needs. He didn't just heal the physical. And in closing... Today, maybe you have went through a little bit of what I've went through or a lot of what I've went through. Maybe you think God looks at you and thinks that there's no way that you could go out and lead other people because you're just not worth it and you're just not good enough. And I would tell you today that would be an untrue statement. Jesus, I love one of my favorite parts, and I've told you before about this scripture, is like when he addresses her, that she's healed and, and she can leave, he calls her daughter. This lady would be considered low on the society pole. He approaches her on the way to a public official's house. In the end, he calls her daughter. And today we are. You are his children. And Jesus would want to use you the same. So, it was probably about three in the morning a couple nights ago. I, I heard this, out of the night, I heard this groaning. So I get up, and I, I'm looking for what kid it is. Uh, and I go in uh, Trace's room, and he's holding his belly, and he's groaning. And I said, buddy, are you okay? And he said, no. 
And I said, Bubba, you going to get sick? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, get up and go to the toilet. So he goes up and he goes to the toilet and he throws up. And when he throws up, he doesn't really kneel. He kind of does this. So the puke goes everywhere. It's three in the morning. And I thought, man, you know, I got to clean that up. And I actually didn't. I let Courtney clean it up. And I'm sorry. Like she, she wasn't very happy about it. Uh, so he, he like throws up and then he goes and lays back down. I said, I said, Bubba, are you sick? And he goes, I don't know. I said, did you eat too much today? And he said, maybe. And we had this Wednesday night class. They had sloppy joes. I said, did you eat those sloppy joes? He said, yeah. I said, how many did you eat? And he goes, I'd rather not say. And I, I said, no, you got to tell me how many you ate. And he said, seven. Uh, and I said, uh, Bubba, I'm a grown man, and I can only eat three. <laughs> like, you can't can't eat seven i know it tastes good and he goes i can't ever i can't ever eat those again don't worry like because he got sick of them but here's the thing like i get up i know he's in he's in pain and i want to help him i think he's sick but then i find out this sickness is caused by something that he has done i don't disown him and say you're on your own buddy i'll see you later no like i i stay up with him and i help him and I, i want him to be okay And you might think today, like, we've all messed up. Listen, I am not, if you're looking for a pastor that has it all together, a minister that has it all together, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't have everything together. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. God doesn't turn his back on you when you do that. But God pursues you and wants you to come to him. And today, maybe you feel like I have, or maybe you haven't been helping or witnessing or being on mission because you just don't think God can use you. Today, you can come pray with one of us. Frank will be up here in front. There'll be some of us in the back. If you want to pray today, like come pray. Maybe you know somebody, there's somebody on your heart that you know that is just not saved, that doesn't know Jesus, and, and you just want to see that happen. Like we're here to pray with you. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you want to be baptized. or Maybe you want to join a church family. Like we're here for you today.